John chapter 17 and verse 4, our Lord is praying to our Heavenly Father. And he says on, in verse 4, he says, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is preparing to go to the cross to pay for our sins. And in paying for our sins, he will also pay for the sins of the entire world. Now, the reason we want to make a differentiation on that is when we say Jesus died for the sins of the world, when we say he paid for the sins of the world, that's a theological concept. That the sins of the world have been paid for. That the sins of the world have been forgiven. That the payment has been settled. But when we say that Jesus Christ went to the cross to pay for our sins, and we say that Jesus went to the cross to pay for my sins, it becomes personal then. Redemption is not just something that's out there that you can claim when you find that you have need of it, but redemption is something that God has done for you that he has made deeply personal for you. He went to the cross not to save a mass of humanity, but he went to the cross to save you. Our Lord and Savior came to seek and to save that which is lost. He came to save sinners. He came to redeem us. That was the fundamental mission to his time on earth. That was his purpose. You talk about the purpose-driven life. That's a book by Rick Warren, The Purpose-Driven Life. Jesus lived the ultimate purpose-driven life. The purpose of his life was to redeem you, to rescue you, to bring you into his kingdom, and to give you life eternal and life more abundantly. And we talked about that a little bit last week. He came to teach and he came to draw us to salvation and this was an important work and it's notable that as our Lord conducted his work here on this earth, he went to the Father in prayer and he went to the Father in prayer often. And that's what makes this prayer in John chapter 17 so powerful and so amazing as he is preparing to complete his work. He is preparing to complete the gospel. He is preparing to die for our sins and then the resurrect from the grave to conquer death and to give us eternal life to everyone who believes. And he is not seeking direction here. He's not asking God what to do. He's not asking God to solve a riddle. He knows what to do. He knows what his mission, what his purpose is. He prayed for strength and he prayed for God's blessing on his work. You know, so often we act like we're lost in this world. We don't know what to do in this world. We don't know what life is supposed to look like when the scripture has given us the prescription for what life is supposed to look like. The scripture has given us the answer. The scripture has told us how we should live, what our priorities should be, what our purpose is, what our mission is. And we go to the Lord and we say, Lord, what shall I do? And Jesus has already told you. Lord, should I witness to that person? Jesus has already answered that question. You know, uh, Ray Comfort writes a series of books on witnessing and, and, and soul winning and evangelism. And he was talking about going on college campuses and ministering to youth, ministering to college kids. And in this YouTube video where he's promoting this concept, he says, and you don't even have to pray about it because God has already told you to do it. He's already told us to do mission work. He's already told us to believe. He's already told us to raise our families, to bring our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He has already told us how we are to conduct business. To be like Jesus, we do what the scriptures have taught us to do, but we pray for God's wisdom. We pray for his strength and we pray for his blessing on what we do. Now, there are times you do need to pray for God's wisdom and discernment in making a decision. You've got a choice to make between two jobs. You are making life choices 
buying houses, th- things like this. I, I understand there are times that you need God's direction of what decision do I make, but by and large, our lives have been laid out for us in the Scripture. God has given us the answers in, in so many things. And when we go to the Lord in prayer, we need to acknowledge that those answers have been given and pray for God's wisdom and strength as we follow what God has given us to do. In verse 4, Jesus says two things. He says, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. He says, I have glorified thee, talking to the Father, I have glorified thee on the earth, and I have finished the work thou, the Father, gave me to do. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ glorified the Father by finishing the work that God gave him to do, and that work was ministering the truth and redeeming his people. And to fully understand this verse, let's look at what it means to glorify God. Let's look at how Christ glorified God. And let's look at how we glorify God, all right? So first, what does it mean to glorify God? Jesus says, I have glorified thee on the earth. That word glorified comes from a Greek word, and I don't speak Greek, but I have to look at the English transliteration of it and look it up. But glorified comes from a Greek word, edoxasa, edoxasa. Uh, that's where we get the name of the song doxology from, adoxasa, okay? It means to make renown, to render illustrious, to cause the dignity and worth of some person or something to become manifest and acknowledged. It is to reveal how great something is, to declare how great something is, and to cause others to believe in how great someone or something is. It is to promote, it is to promote someone or something, it is to show the power of that thing. When, when we look in terms of uh, products, you know, Donnie and I were here a couple of Wednesday nights ago, and he's got this tablet computer thing that he carries around, and, and, it, and he tells me that this thing can do everything that his Apple computer at home can do, and he's showing me all the benefits of this little device. And I've always been skeptical of Apple products because I kind of figured my PC products would do the same thing, and, and they're much cheaper. But he's showing me the abilities of this Apple thing, and he's, and he's showing me the powers of it and what he's able to do in it and the creativity he is able to unleash in this thing. He is glorifying, and that's not a bad thing, all right? You're not idolizing anything, but he's glorifying this Apple product. Now, some of y'all are sitting there like, Donnie, 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 Samsung, man, Galaxy, that's the way to go. And, and, and when, you, when you do that, you're going to start extolling, you know, this is my Galaxy phone. Mine's right there recording the sermon. Hopefully the recording stays this time. Sometimes that hasn't been happening. Work. Johnny's saying if you'd had an Apple, that would have been the problem. I think it's my data connection. Um, it's, we'll talk AT&T later. But, but, you know, those of you who are like laughing at the Apple products, well, I got a Samsung. You're telling me about the Samsung products. My Samsung phone has three cameras in it, and, and it does this, and it does that, and I can be just as creative on these things as I could be on an Apple, but... I'm able to buy this at a less price. It, it, is, it collaborates with other devices better. And, 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 you, and you talk about all this, you know. I have a smart TV. Well, I have a Roku. Well, I have Apple TV. Well, I have this TV, that TV, Hulu, Disney Plus, you know. And we start talking about how great these products are. You know, why is Ford better than Chevy? Or why is Chevy better than Ford? Why are you driving a Honda or, or a Toyota? And, and, and we talk about how great our cars are, how great our brands are. And what we're doing, we're glorifying them. We're making them to be renowned. We're showing the value. We're showing the dignity. We're showing why we feel like we're better because we have this certain brand of thing. That's what we should be doing for God. It's totally cool to like Apple. It's totally cool to like Samsung. It's totally cool to like an Apple or a PC. And that's, that's fine. I'm, you know, I have my brands that I love too, okay? That's, that's, that's all part of it. But we should be able 
to promote God the same way we promote our favorite brands, our favorite TV shows, our favorite musical artists, all the stuff that we're about that define who we are, our favorite brands of clothing, our favorite stores. You know, I mean, Christians, we love brands. And Texans, we love brands. In Texas, it doesn't have to be the best product. It just has to be Texan, and we're all about that, okay? Wolf Brand Chili, you will not see a chili like Wolf Brand Chili at a championship chili cook-off. You will not. But we love Wolf Brand Chili. It's ours. Texan, how long has it been since you had a bowl of Wolf Brand Chili? Oh, that's too long. Bluebell Ice Cream. Now, Bluebell Ice Cream really is superior to all other ice creams on the planet. But... But we're all about, but that's our ice cream. That's Texas ice cream. We don't buy Blue Bunny here. We love brands. We love brands. That's just, you know, as people, that's just kind of who we are. And even if you don't love brands, you like buying the cheapest thing that gets the job done, you love that concept. We ought to love God, and we ought to promote God the same way we promote Hobby Lobby, the same way we promote Chick-fil-A, the same way we promote Bluebell and Wolf Brand and Dr. Pepper and all this other stuff that defines our culture. We ought to promote God the same way, more so than we promote these brands. Jesus Christ glorified the Father. Jesus made God renowned. Jesus rendered him illustrious. Jesus demonstrated God's goodness, his greatness, his grace, he manifested God's dignity and worth. Jesus demonstrated that God was good, that he was powerful, that he still loved his people and he was working to redeem his people. Jesus showed that God was worthy of praise. Jesus showed that God was worthy of worship. And Jesus showed that God was worthy of faith. Jesus told his disciples, he that has seen me has seen the Father. We tend to think of Jesus and God the Father as two different entities. That you've got God the Father, this angry divine being from the Old Testament that's executing judgment on everybody. And then comes a loving, kind Jesus. But the same loving, kind Jesus is also the Father. Because the Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, that's Jesus, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. You think of God as angry, then you've missed who Jesus is. If you think of Jesus as kind and loving, you've got to remember that that's also an attribute of God and who he is. And Jesus, there's a saying, on, on, I see this on Facebook every now and then. When people ask you what would Jesus do, tell them, that uh, turning, over money, turn, th turning over tables and beating people with a whip is on the table because Jesus did that in the temple, did he not? He overturned the money changers' uh, tables and he drove them out of there with a whip that he made himself by hand standing right there in front of them. Now, how cool is that really when you think about that, all right? The same Jesus who's loving and kind also has the Father's sense of justice and judgment. He showed us who God is. We love Jesus. We love Jesus. We should love God because he showed us who God is and who Jesus is. That's who God is. And we too are capable of glorifying God. We have the ability to make God renowned, to make his name known, to show him as one who is worthy of praise and honor, to show his goodwill toward his people, to move beyond saying that God is there and making people aware that God is there. But we have the ability to demonstrate the nature of God, the personality of God, the character of God, who he is, and why he would be such a blessing to those who don't know him. 
Y'all talk to me about iPhones. You talk to me about Samsung phones. You talk to me about this brand of whatever it is that we're talking about. And you're telling me why, and you're not even getting paid to sell me this thing, but you're telling me why this will make my life better, why this will make my life easier, why I'll be able to level up in this certain endeavor that I have. We have that same thing with God that we can show others how God can transform and revolutionize their lives for the better. We have that ability. And how do we do that? Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 tells us to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. That word glorify comes from that doxosa word that we were talking about. That is to make renown, to make known, to, to show the honor and the integrity and, and the beauty and the wonder of through our good works. Our good works, what are our good works? It's how we live. It's how we work. It's how we speak, you know. I worked for a radio station one time, and the, and the owner of the station, this was before I was a preacher, told me that he hated, by, he hated hiring preachers because they were always lazy. Now, really what he meant was they didn't place the station first and foremost because they had an other, other priorities. But we should never have that. We should never have that reputation as Christians that we're lazy, that we don't get it done, that we don't follow through, that we can't be held to our word. That should never be our reputation because God is true. God follows through. God is true to his word. We, sh we can glorify God in how we work and how we speak and that people can trust us not to gossip about them behind their back. We can demonstrate God's honor and his glory and in so doing we can glorify him in demonstrating who he is. And we can speak that truth too. Like you don't like try to convince me that, that Apple is better just by living a better life than me, but you actually tell me why Apple's better. We can demonstrate God's glory through our lives, through our works, but we also need to have that ability to tell people about God too. We have the ability to glorify God. Christ glorified God. We have the ability to glorify God. And how did Jesus glorify God? Jesus demonstrated God's love by going to the cross. Our God is a loving God. I, I mentioned that in seminary one day. My seminary professor said, well, was God loving when he told the Israelites to destroy the Amalekites? I'm like, well, he was for the Israelites. <laughs> I, mean, I, didn't really have a, I didn't really have an answer for that. But justice is also love. Justice is also love. John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus showed us a God who loves us in the greatest degree that he personally was willing to come to earth in the flesh, in the form of man, to suffer for man, that he could redeem man from condemnation and from judgment while upholding truth and upholding righteousness. Now, if that doesn't demonstrate how great God is, I don't know what does. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God into salvation 
to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel, which is the power of God into salvation. The gospel, how Jesus Christ died for our sins, taking the judgment and wrath of sin upon himself so that we could be shielded from it. Jesus giving his full life, going all in. I saw a Jordan Peterson video this week, John, and he was talking about we're all in this life all in. You are in this life to death. You are all in whether you want to be all in or not, so you might as well make all in count and go all in on what you're doing. He went all in on the gospel, giving his entire life to shield us from the judgment and wrath brought on by sin, dying the death that we deserve to die, and then rising again, overcoming death that we could live forever in his kingdom and not just live and exist, but live in life abundance in his kingdom. That's righteousness because he did all of this without violating what was right and without violating what was true. Therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Jesus showed us God's righteousness. That glorifies God. That declares his greatness. He demonstrated God's power in his death. When Jesus died and the earth shook and darkness was on the face of the earth, the Roman soldiers said, truly, this was the Son of God. One of those responsible directly for nailing him to that cross because, oh man, this really was the Son of God. Truly, this was the Son of God. When they made the movie, The Greatest Story Ever Told, about the life of Jesus, they wanted to have a star-studded cast, and they, they cast John Wayne as this Roman soldier. Yeah, I don't know if y'all have ever watched a John Wayne movie or not, but it doesn't matter what the movie is. John Wayne's portraying John Wayne, okay? So he's John Wayne at Iwo Jima, or he's John Wayne on, in the Old West. He's John Wayne. He's not Davy Crockett at the Alamo. John Wayne was at the Alamo going under the name of Davy Crockett. He's the same persona, same voice, same inflection. He's just John. And we love that about him. And we'll watch those movies every single time. You know, brands. But, um, but John Wayne. John Wayne is the Roman soldier. He, and, of course, you know how John Wayne talks. Well, truly, this was the son of God. And they said, John, we need a little bit more awe when you say that. Awe. Truly, this was the Son of God. And the director's like, <laughs> so, but he didn't, got Jesus, when he died, when he gave up the ghost, when he said, into thy hands I commend my spirit, and he, and he left his body and went into the presence of God. That was such a monumental and cataclysmic event in human history that even those who nailed him to the cross were saying, oh, wow, he really was the Son of God. We really did just nail God to the cross. Ooh. And they weren't saying that in a John Wayne voice either. He demonstrated God's miraculous power in the resurrection. And that is something you can gain a lot of hope from. You, you, it's got this feature. It's got that feature. What about the feature that if, if God could raise Jesus Christ from the earth, if he could raise him from the dead, he can raise you from the dead. And if God can raise you from the dead, then he can raise your career from the dead. He can raise your marriage from the dead. He can, he can raise your relationship to your parents or your kids from the dead. He can, he can raise your attitude or your depression or your emotional state from the dead. He, the, he demonstrated God's miraculous power in the resurrection. He demonstrated God's authority in the casting out of demons. Notice when Jesus cast out demons, they just have to listen to what he says and they have to do what he says. He demonstrated God's authority in telling the storm to be quiet. The disciples saying, what kind of man is this that even the, even the wind and the rain and the storms listen to what he says? When the soldiers came to arrest Jesus to take him to the cross, he says, 
who are you looking for? And they say, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. He goes, that's me. I am he. And when he says that, they all fall backwards. The people that arrested him, didn't even, they, they couldn't even stand before his word. He wasn't overtaken. He literally laid down his life. And in doing that, he demonstrated that God was good. In the miraculous healings, in his teaching, he showed God's compassion. He showed God's character. He showed God's desires. He reminded us what God does. And what God does, he does for our good. Genesis chapter 1, that's what you take from that chapter. And God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was good. Everything that God made was good. Why was everything that God made good? Because that's who God is. He's good. It's trusting that he's good. That's how Jesus glorified God. How do we glorify God? We glorify God by believing on his name, by trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior, by turning from sin, by looking at the sin of the world, by looking at the pleasure of the flesh and saying, between that and the Lord, I choose the Lord. Every time a sinner repents, God wins a victory. Every time a sinner repents, Satan is reminded that he has no power over God and he has no victory over God. Satan thought that he would usurp God's authority, that he would steal God's glory in heaven. And when God kicked him out of heaven, Satan said, well, if I'm going to eternal damnation, I'm taking your prized crowning point of your creation with me. I'm taking them with me. And God said, no, you're not, because I'm going to save them from their condemnation. Every time we profess that belief to others, we make God's name great. Every time you tell others about your salvation, every time you tell others about your faith, every time you tell others about your redemption, you're showing God's power in your life. You're glorifying him. You are declaring him great. You are making his name known. We glorify God by following the Lord in baptism. In Romans chapter 6, verse 4, the Bible says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. It was a glorious thing to see Christ rise from the grave. The resurrection of Christ was truly a miraculous and glorious event. And when we follow the Lord in baptism, we are reminding the world of that resurrection. We are picturing it, that even like Christ was raised up from the dead to the glory of the Father. When we go down in that water and we rise up out of that water and we live in newness of life and we follow the Lord, we're showing that same glory as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We glorify God by taking the Lord's Supper. The Apostle Paul wrote that as often as we observe the Lord's Supper, we show his death until he returns. Every time, and that, by the way, communion Sunday is next Sunday. Every time we take the Lord's Supper, we're reminding the world that Jesus Christ died for our sins. That's a, that's a benefit. That's what makes it wonderful. That's what makes this faith wonderful, is that redemption that we have through the cross. When we take the Lord's Supper, when we follow the Lord in baptism, when we share our faith, we're doing for God what you do for Apple when you tell me what this new iPhone does that your Samsung won't do, or what this Samsung does that the Apple won't do, or what the new Samsung does that your old Samsung, Samsung, whatever, that your old phone didn't do. We glorify God by doing good works. Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Through the way you live, you glorify God. And we glorify God by discipling others. And that word disciple 
We use that in Christianity quite a bit. It simply means to mentor. That's what it means, is to mentor. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That word teach comes from a Greek word that means to disciple, to make disciples, to mentor. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That means to teach everyone of all backgrounds, all ethnicities, all socioeconomic demographics, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them, the second word teach, comes from a Greek word that means to indoctrinate, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. We have taken that verse and we have made that a commandment to go out and witness, to go out and hand out these little tracts that tell people about salvation, and oh, look, they've got our name and address on the back, so they know which church to go to if they happen to find salvation by reading one of these things. But the great commission to teach all nations and baptizing them and to teach them whatsoever things God has or the Lord has commanded us goes beyond handing these little dudes out. This is convenient, by the way. You can leave these just about anywhere. Um, but it goes beyond that. The great commission goes to getting personally involved in people's lives and helping. We glorify God and we do that. You ever influence someone to buy a product? And then you spend time helping them learn how to use the product? You ever buy one of your parents a phone and you have to teach them how to use the phone? That's one reason why I think my uncle didn't buy my grandfather direct TV. He knew he was going to spend a few weeks sitting over at my grandfather's house showing him how to use the remote. That's what we should be doing with the faith. And we glorify God by finishing strong. Jesus said he finished the work God gave him to do. Jesus remained faithful to the end. He carried out God's plans to completion. It was who he was. We too should finish strong to finish the work that God has given us to do, which includes the spreading of the gospel, which includes raising our families, staying in our families, providing for our families. It includes discipling or mentoring others to remain faithful to the end. We see things through. and When we do, we glorify God. Glorifying God means making his name known. It means making his name appreciated, admired, and honored. And we honor God and we glorify God through our work for him. Now, if our work for him is born out of an obligation, preacher said, I have to do this. If I do this, maybe God will bless me later. We're going to fall short and we're going to be left disappointed. That work has to come from our faith and our trust in him. When you buy that new technology at four times what you could buy a different brand for, you're buying it because you place your faith in the company that makes that technology. You don't buy it out of obligation. Our service to the Lord needs to be built on that belief on what the Lord has done for us and out of gratitude for that. So as we live, let's start asking ourselves those big questions. Why? It was State Farm that taught me to ask that question. State Farm recruiter asked me, why did I wake up in the morning and why did my feet hit the floor? And I said, because I've got to go earn some money or nobody's going to pay this mortgage or we're going to be in trouble. And she said, that's the wrong answer. Got to have a greater purpose to life. Why? Why do I wake up in the morning? Why do I go to work? Why do I stay faithful to my family? Why is it important to pay that mortgage? 
why do I go to church? Why do I listen to Leland preach? He preaches so long and lunch and there's no carpet on the floor. Why? Ask ourselves why and see God's purpose in the why. And when you see God's purpose in the why, the works will sort themselves out. Let's stand. And as we stand, let's think about the words we're going to be singing in our benediction hymn that we sing every week, which is Amazing Grace. <laughs>